Okay, hello everyone and welcome to Actus Radio, the nation's only radio program dedicated to the clinical documentation improvement profession. Actus Radio is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bring you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. Today, Wednesday, April 5th, marks our 65th show. So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists, and I'm, of course, your host for today's show, Actus Conference Preview, Bringing Your Physician Advisor Program to Life. Today's show continues our run-up of session previews, taking you all the way to the start of our 10th annual Actus Conference in Las Vegas, May 9th through 12th. Hope to see you there. So I'm joined by my co-host today, familiar face on Actus Radio, Laurie Prescott. Uh, Laurie is the CDI Education Director for us here at Actus in BLR Healthcare in Middleton. She's the developer and lead instructor for our Actus Bootcamp line. Uh, she's a former CDI manager, uh, recently authored our CDI Specialist Training Guide, and is the author of our upcoming Essential Guide to Supporting Quality Care Measures. And that is set to publish on April 27th, or so she tells me. So I'd like to welcome <laughs> her back to the program. Welcome, Laurie. Thanks, Brian. All right. And uh, today we have two industry guests on today's program. I'll just introduce them straight off. We have with us today uh, James Fee, MD, CCS, and CCDS. He is the Vice President at Enjoin in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, Dr. Fee is board certified in internal medicine and pediatrics and maintains a clinical practice in hospital medicine. He's been actively involved in operations and process development of CDI programs nationwide, doing ground-level training of physician advisors, coders, CDI specialists. He's a frequent speaker um, at conferences across the country. You've probably seen him at AHIMA. Others, um, he's speaking at the Actus Conference coming up, of course, on the same topic. He's also on the Actus Advisory Board, and I'm glad to have him on the show. I believe this is your second appearance, Dr. Fee. So welcome to the program. Thank you, Brian. Glad, glad to be here, and good afternoon, good afternoon, everybody. All right. Uh, we also have with us today a new guest, uh, uh, Dr. Michael Teague, um, MD, FHM, and CCDS. Dr. Teague is the Associate Director of Hospital Medicine Service and CDI Advisor at Our Lady of the Lake Regional Medical Center in Baton Rouge. He is a board-certified hospitalist with over 20 years of experience managing adult inpatients complex medical conditions. Recently, he was named a senior fellow in hospital medicine, and he also obtained his CCDS certification, and I'd like to welcome him to his first show with us. So welcome, Dr. Teague. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here. All right. Well, as I always do, I'm going to start with a poll related to today's topic. Um, please go ahead and select the result that best pertains to you. So we're asking you, how effective is your physician advisor to CDI? Would you describe them as uh, very effective, somewhat effective, ineffective, um, we don't have a physician advisor, or not applicable, realizing that some folks are maybe not in the acute care hospital setting. So. How effective is your physician advisor CDI? Again, would you describe them as very effective, somewhat effective, uh, ineffective? We don't have a physician advisor. 
or not applicable. All right, Michelle, we got about 75% of our audience has voted, so I'm going to uh, whoop, go ahead and close that out, and we will come back to the results in just a few minutes. So as I mentioned, our guests today are Dr. Fee and Dr. Teague. Again, welcome to the program, guys. Thanks for being a part of Actus Radio. Uh, so let's just jump right in and maybe can, can you guys talk a little bit about how this how this co-presentation came together. Sure, Brian. Uh, this is Dr. Fee. I'll, I'll start there and let Dr. Teague uh, jump in. <clears throat> Dr. Teague and I have been clinically uh, connected through our practice in hospital medicine at Our Lady Lake for the past, uh, I guess, going on nine years. Uh, Dr. Teague has, has been in different hospitals practice and, and is a great clinician. Um, as part of my uh, role within Enjoin, as well as in the industry of CDI, um, I picked up on, on Dr. Teague's interest in the, the impact of documentation and coding um, on um, the administrative database, which impacts reimbursement, uh, prof profiling, and performance. Um, so we work closely with him um, uh, through the CDI program development and actually uh, trained uh, Dr. Teague as a physician advisor. Uh, and then uh, he uh, took the role as the lead physician advisor uh, within the uh, uh, corporate organization um, at Our Lady of the Lake and, and, and influencing some of the other sister hospitals. Um, that's how we, we connected. And so we figured that um, it would be a great uh, presentation to talk about the assets that uh, an individual like Dr. T brings to uh, the physician advisor role. And then a, and a critical thing which um, uh, made him stand out different than other advisors is that he took the foundation knowledge that was uh, provided to him during a training and then took it and ran with it and developed and, and moved uh, the program uh, in his role even further. So I'll turn over to Dr. Teague. Yeah, I, I think that you know, I had a good clinical base but really did not have uh, any understanding whatsoever really of uh, how to uh, reflect the good care that we want to provide uh, our patients and how does that translate into the coded record. And so it was very interesting to me to make sure that my care, uh, the, the uh, skill that I brought to the patients was uh, accurately portrayed in the record. And that was very uh, helpful to me and the education that I received um, was obviously influential. And what I found is, is soon as I received education and became an advisor, the, the inbox was open and uh, got taken to all sorts of different areas to try to assist not only CDI but uh, different departments in the hospital with any documentation related issue. Dr. Teague, I'm, I'm listening to you and you know you're, you're talking about your role in providing the patient care and now you've taken on the role of physician advisor. What does that role of physician advisor include for you at Our Lady of, of the Lake? Well, you know, classically the liaison between the medical staff and CDI uh, is my title, I guess. Um, I'm a peer. I'm a colleague. I'm working in the same chart. I'm sitting next to you uh, on the units documenting in the record. Um, but I bring in, now I have some effective uh, 
uh, documentation knowledge that I can impart to the chart. What specifically what I do is um, assist with queries, talk to the docs, help them understand what the issues are. Most positions like me did not have any idea of the coding rules, uh, like validating a pathology report. It's not intuitive for a surgeon to approve or agree with a path report. I explain the rule or rules such as that. I've even printed out coding clinic citations for one doc. Um, and I, what I can do sometimes is just blame the government. If they don't like it, like, hey, this is the way the rules are set up. The United States of America <laughs> set it up. Um, also do more broader education at service line and individual group meetings. Occasionally we'll provide information in the medical staff newsletter that goes to all uh, physicians on staff. Whatever issue our CDI manager and team uh, needs discussed, uh, disseminated to the medical staff, we'll provide that information. Um, but what I've found is physicians love data and I'll show them things like group query response numbers, their agree rate, their disagree rate, their unable to determine rate, and compare them to the peers within their group. Um, I think that is very impactful. Uh, and also to uh, add additional diagnoses to certain um, documentation elements and just reveal the impact that it will have on things like mortality, which physicians are very concerned about. Also do quality reviews like patient safety indicators and whatever documentation issue that uh, happens in the hospital then uh, be a resource for them. You're a busy man. Yeah, just to add to that, is this a full-time role for you and, and, and who do you report to? No, it's not a full-time. I uh, split my time as a clinician, so I, I'm half-time uh, clinician. And the other half time I, I work, I do CDI work as well as some administrative work within the hospital medicine service at our hospital. Gotcha. I report to um, our code CDI coding manager, Madeline Rawls, and um, we uh, share information with our HIM director, Jennifer Arteague. All right. Maybe a question for the both of you. Maybe I'll kick. This one does Dr. Fee to start, but how would you guys describe an effective physician advisor? And, and you know, there's a lot of discussion about how a physician advisor can best be used. Some have a hands-off, some have more of a hands-on approach, some are liaison. But maybe just broadly, what you see as an effective physician advisor and ways they can be best utilized as part of a functioning CDI program. Certainly, Brian. Uh so you know, all you have to do is listen to, to Dr. Teague and, and you can, you can uh, denote the, the qualifications of a, an effective physician advisor. Obviously, you know, uh, foundationally someone who has a good clinical bedside practice and, and an effective communicator. Um, but also the key things that d d distinguish between a very good physician advisor and one that has been appointed to carry out this role is first and foremost interest. Um, you have to have that interest and, and somewhat of that passion uh, to really link care delivery uh, to the, the data, uh, data integrity as, as we say. So without that interest, if it's just an appointed role, then, then that advisor will, will do what you're, they're asked but not go beyond that. So that, that's a critical uh, component of an effective advisor. Another thing that, that uh, Dr. Teague has has illustrated in his work is 
an advisor is more than a quote-unquote champion. It's more than an individual that is hanging out in the wing waiting for the CDI manager, the, the CDI specialist on the floor to tag and say, hey, uh, Dr. So-and-so is causing me some problems. Can you go talk to him? But rather, it's, it's the, the physician advisor who, who rolls up their sleeves and understands the detail, the process, the coding clinic, as Dr. Teague mentioned, um, and really uh, begins a chart review process and gets their hands dirty so they can speak both the clinical uh, language as well as that administrative coding language to the providers. And really, as we all hope to do in CDI, is close the gap. Um, and so those are the key things, interest, uh, broad clinical knowledge, um, obviously with that leadership skills and respect from from the other uh, practicing providers and really getting involved into the process. Excellent. Yeah, a really I, nice I, explanation. I think you exactly you got you have to be engaged and interested um, and uh, just seek to solve problems and just don't leave things uh, undone. Uh, it really ought to be an advisor ought to be a good physician advisor should have the characteristics of a good physician. And what's essential for me was to have a solid support of our CDI team. I mean, there's just no way that I could come in with the, the clinical knowledge, but as far as practical application of what I learned from NJOIN, um, I had to have the CDI team support and the coders and instant access whenever issues would arise um, that I didn't fully understand. So it's a collaborative thing. And, and, and just another point to add, and, and this kind of goes along, as you can imagine, with all this skill set, uh, which is, is critical, is availability. Um, there's, there's obviously in an, in an organization, there's uh, physician leaders that sort of bubble up or, or rise out, um, and there tend to be, as Dr. T quickly learned, tagged for many tasks. Uh, so it's the availability of that physician to actively participate. I think it's a critical thing that we often say, well, you know, this is a great job for our CMO. They have a rapport for the, the uh, medical staff. They, they're, you know, they may be still clinically practice. So let's just give that individual, him or her, to do this. Um, and, and oftentimes it, it's just another thing that's rolling off their plate. Uh, so that's another uh, important point. Great point. Dr. Teague, when you entered the role as a physician advisor, did you have any misconceptions, or what do you what do you see in the industry as the biggest misconception related to the role of the physician advisor, as to what their um, responsibilities are, or what they're asked to do? Well, I think what I've heard many times is that I was just here to make the hospital money. Uh, last week, in <laughs> fact, I was at a one of our uh, intensive care groups and uh, that was asked that isn't that what all this is what it's all about is just making the hospital money um, but what I do is kind of turn it back to the patient and or pack it back to the physician and explain the impact of good documentation on their individual mortality readmission complication rate PSI length of stay all that is influenced by how well you document if you don't document well you're not going to look good to CMS and payers. And uh, one of the things that I've heard rumored is CMS's physician compare site was going to place um, 
physician mort individual physician mortality up on the site. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you're not documenting well, you're not going to look good. And physicians are very concerned about that. Understandably. Absolutely. Anything to add there, uh, Dr. Fee? No, I think I think he's right on. I mean, I you know my a little bit of history with me is I I began in the the world of CDI as a physician advisor um, for for several years, and, and <laughs> the funniest thing was is when I was in the ED uh, working uh, that doesn't regardless of specialty, I would people would come up to me, tap me on the shoulder, and say hey, you're the documentation man, tell me what I have to write here. So they, they, the, the common misconception is that I carry this pocket of buzzwords that I'm, I'm ready to hand out so everybody can document. But that's not the role of a physician advisor or even the role of CDI. The role is to accurately reflect the severity and complexity of your patient in, in such a way that it can be appropriately captured and reported. Um, so that's a big misconception that's out there, not necessarily in the CDI world, but certainly on the provider provider side. And then, you know, potentially a misconception on the CDI side is that, you know, physician advisors have, we, we were born with this magic wand uh, that we got in medical school that allows us to uh, transfer um, full acceptance from one provider to the next. So, you know, a physician advisor role is a, is a difficult role it's learning to deal with complex situations, and it's not as easy as getting a physician advisor to become a talking head uh, for your, your medical staff. They actually have to uh, participate and understand. So, so there's no magic. There's no magic behind this. Yeah. Well, we won't call you the documentation man unless you want us to. That was our <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> All right. I, I guess I would just wrap up with saying, you know, this is obviously a preview of a full hour we're going to be doing on this at Actus, um, at the Actus Conference in May. Can you maybe just give our audience just a little flavor of what else to expect? I've looked at your slides. It's really comprehensive. It's wide-ranging. You've got stuff in there on healthcare reform, pay for performance, um, you know, those type of things. Maybe talk a little bit about what, what uh, attendees who are coming at the MGM grant can expect? Sure, I, I can start and certainly Dr. T can add in. Um, I think I think that there's a little bit for everybody in, in the in the our presentation that we have. Uh, one is, is it offers advice of how um, uh, or demonstrates how physician advisors impact um, a CDI program in various respects, whether it's mortality, whether it's PSI, or whether it is uh, bottom line with reimbursement. Uh, so that's, that could speak to give some nuggets to the, an audience member who, who doesn't have a physician advisor and maybe is, is working in some resources or FTE or some um, uh, reimbursement for that advisor for the, from their, their leadership within their organization. So giving some nuggets and some information so they can take back and say, well, on a big picture, this is what your, our physician advisor could do for our, pro, for our organization from DRG management to penalty avoidance to the big world of denials right now. We're getting a lot of uh, denials and how they, they can really work with that. But then also, uh, another takeaway on a different level is those individuals who come to this session to, to learn about um, some effective ways that Dr. T has utilized to move the needle uh, with providers. 
So not only big picture takeaways, but picture, but some some key takeaways that how he is used to move the needle at uh, our lady of the lake. All right. Yeah, I think James is going to have more of the the big picture, and then I will uh, take you into the weeds a little bit and talk about some of the individual things that we've done, how we work with our medical staff and CDI team to try to educate the docs and how we approach feedback, what sort of data that we show our medical staff, and uh, really how you can help your docs and your medical staff look good to payers and CMS. Yeah. Thanks, guys. You know, we had a lot of questions come in during the show about things like, you know, how are you how are you reimbursed? You know, we don't have to get into how much, but just, you know, how does that work and things like, do you have a clinical validation process, um, et cetera? So, you know, I imagine maybe we can go over some of those details at the at the conference, but um, hope you guys can make it, our, our attendees, and, and are planning on seeing this session. If not, maybe we can bring it back on the show, Dr. T, for a part two to get into some additional details about your role there. It uh, sounds pretty intriguing and really appreciate you taking some time to share it with our audience today. Sure, thank you. So at this point I'm going to pull up our uh, poll question. So you should be all seeing that again on your screen. Again, we asked our audience, how effective is your physician advisor to CDI? So 13% said very effective, 32% uh, somewhat effective, 17% said ineffective. 31%, uh, almost a third, say we do not have a physician advisor, and then 7% not applicable. Again, that's about 80% of our audience weighing in. So any surprises there? I mean, we, a little more ineffective than very effective. You know, most coming in somewhat, and then a third not having one at all. What, what maybe, maybe I'll ask you, Dr. Fee, to start and turn over to Dr. Teague on, on these results. Yeah, I mean, really, really, the only surprise I, I see is is um, uh, with the, the evolution of, of healthcare um, that there are 31% that still do not have a physician advisor, um, and 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 though that's that could be for many reasons, it's because because you not can't find that ideal person, or you can't you know get the, the uh, uh, reimbursement for that person, or what have you, but but. But you know, as we're moving into uh, CDI across the continuum, looking at um, provider practices and looking at um, you know the, the beneficiary or the patient as they move from the places of service, as opposed to looking at individual places of service, the providers make those links, and a physician advisor system or framework to bring those together is critical. So um, it's interesting that you know we're we're at a point and now. On CDI that uh, we used to beg for providers to ask us, you know, you know, participate. Please participate. Now the providers are, are, are coming to CDI and say, "Help me, help me, help me!" Especially with this macro. So that that's a little surprising to me that there's that um, there's still a, a, a large gap in physician advisors, and there's many reasons for that. You know, the effectiveness of a of a advisor is is you know it's 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 not a science. It's a little bit of an art. Um, and I think the key point is, is the mentoring that goes along with that. So that, that's not too surprising. Um, All right. Any other comments, Dr. Teague or, or Lori? No, I did when not. I'm looking, <clears throat> when I'm looking at it, um, I, I would agree with Dr. Fee um, that 31% with no physician advisor 
is a little shocking, but you can add the ineffective to that, and that's basically 50% of our respondents don't have an, a physician advisor, which um, is pretty sad. And my bet is those that have responded understand the value of it. Um, it's just how to communicate to the powers that be as to why that role is so important so that you can get someone in it. I, I functioned with a um, very ineffective person in that role for a number of years, and the success of the CDI department suffered because of that. Um, it's a valuable skill that needs to be brought to the table for, for success. So I find those numbers a little sad. Well, hopefully we'll see them. We'll see them change. Um, I'm going to go ahead and close that back out here. Appreciate everyone who, who took the poll. Um, at this point, we are going to switch to our uh, in the news segment of the program. Again, in the news is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession. Today, I'd like to discuss an article which you should be seeing on your screen here. Let me get back to actually where it actually begins. Um, this is. Uh, from Health Leaders Media, which is our sister publication, and it's called uh, Medicare Delays Expansion of Bundled Payments Program. Um, so, you, you know, since our last Actus Radio show just a couple weeks ago, we had a number of things transpire. Um, of course, the big news was that the AHCA was, of course, pulled from the House floor, leaving the ACA, or Obamacare, as it's more widely known as the law of the land. Uh, Rather than go over that topic, you know, that's been kind of covered, obviously, widely. Uh, instead, I'd like to maybe talk a little bit about this article today. Um, it's sort of slipped under the radar, I think. I think it does have big implications for CDI specialists, especially those that are working in hospitals that are part of a bundled payment program. But again, this was a March 22nd article. I'm having some issues getting back to the uh, first screen. Here we go. Um, encourage you guys to check it out after the program, but essentially CMS put on hold the rollout of three new cardiac episodes of care and the addition of hip fractures to the Comprehensive Care for Joint Replacement Bundle Payment Program. Um, this announcement came during the week of March 22nd. Again, CMS is going to delay, um, is delaying implementation of these new bundle payment initiatives. Um, from essentially from they were slated to launch on July 1st and the new launch date is now October 1. Uh, there is a physician quoted in here, Lewis Levitt, MD, who is stating it, it's not signaling the demise of these programs, but basically is um, there was a, some concern about the efficacy of these models and whether the industry was, the hospital industry was ready for them. And the new administration had the same reservation, so they have delayed it. Um, and this, this gentleman says the delay in the cardiac bundles and femur fracture bundles is simply related to the inability to work out the details of each bundle such that the doctors and hospitals involved can manage the episodes. Uh, there is a link here uh, which I'll show you here to the uh, to this rule and they actually CMS has a comment period right now they're asking for people's thoughts on the delay um, as well as potentially pushing that back to uh, January 1st, 2018. Uh, it does go through what the, the cardiac episodes of care are, you know, acute MI, coronary artery bypass graft, cardiac rehab. Uh, but essentially this is 
right now pushing the start back for these programs from July 1st to October 1st. Again, CMS is seeking your comments on this. There is, it, it explains how to do that um, right here, and the comment date is open until April 20th, so a couple more weeks to do so. Encourage you to check out this article, you know, as well as the as well as the uh, health leaders article on this. Um, and with that, maybe I'll just ask Doctor, maybe Doctor Fee to start. You know, what any reaction to the story? It says here it's not the beginning of the end, um, and I would hope it's not. But um, I believe you've done some work, you know, with bundle payments. Do you have any thoughts on them, their efficacy, how they're set up? Do, do, you, do you think there is uh, potential here for cost savings, you know, basically it's, it's supposed to put all of the related care within 90 days of a hospital discharge in, in an episode of care and, and the hospital and the doctor would receive one bundle payment. Some people have said it's you know, going to be the, the uh, solution to the whole physician versus doctor reimbursement and getting C them on board with CDI and, and view it as a great thing. But now we have a delay, so I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this you want to share with our audience today. Uh, I'll just I'll speak high level <clears throat> since um, you know given the, the time here on, on our broadcast. Yeah. Um, I, I think um, the big thing is is to put it in perspective in the grand scheme is that uh, those who are following CMS's uh, evolution um, uh, from you know fee for service to population health. Uh, in the categories, if you're familiar with that framework, is that this this is this is kind of the this is category three. It's it's the step um, to begin to define a population of patients by an episode of care, which is driven in these cases by a DRG. Um, but the ultimate move is to move into uh, uh, where you're managing a population uh, across all episodes of care, and that's in ACO, etc. I think we're going to continue to see that movement there. Um, you know, this I think these programs. Uh, there's a lot going on for organizations, and these programs is a is a revolution or a change in care management, from managing the patient, optimizing the patient prior to surgery, and, and then aligning with providers and and you know SNFs and physical therapists, etc., to fall within that bundle. So I think it, it, it's, it's a lot to kind of handle in a short period of time for organizations dealing with macro, et cetera. The other, the other thing that, from a CDI perspective, that often concerned me a lot about the bundles is that the, 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 uh, the, the reimbursement or the, the quality-adjusted target price, as we call it, is, is there, you know, as we know, there's a target price, and then based on a performance and certain measures, determines if you get a reconciliation or a payment, et cetera. But the, the key thing here is that it, it's almost a, a hodgepodge of bringing in quality measures into these bundles that are, that are within different populations. Like, for example, the CJR brings in the complications. Well, the cohort, the population that's under review for that uh, complication, risk stratified complication rate within the CJR is a different population than that which is defined by the bundle. So it's kind of a hodgepodge of, of, of putting things together to make it work. And I, I think if we pause and, and, and re-look at this um, and, and really look at care management, uh, it's going to move forward. Do I think it's the end of a bundle payment? I think it's going to change. Um, 
I think there, you know, these are the mandatory bundle payments. There's the, the voluntary ones that are still uh, there and present. These may become voluntary, uh, but ultimately the goal is to manage a population across the continuum. And I think this is one of the inter interim steps to do that. So I think we're headed still in that direction, but we've we got, got to get things together from a CMS perspective before we continue forward with that. Yep. Well, we'll, we'll we will continue to monitor this and uh, hopefully may bring you some future updates on Actus Radio. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and wrap things up here. We're a little bit past time, but just to uh, before we get to our next show, which you can see on your screen here, I hope you can join us for that one. I did just want to briefly congratulate our four new Actus Advisory Board members. So for our um, Actus members, we've been promoting the vote. Uh, we had seven finalists for the Actus Advisory Board. As you know, we have four board members. We have a 12-member board, but four rotate off every year. Four new members are voted in. Our four new board members briefly are, are Susan Schmitz, Regional Director of Clinical Documentation Improvement at SCAL, Kaiser Permanente in Pasadena, uh, Deanne Wilk, Manager of CDI at Penn State Health in Hershey, Pennsylvania, Katie Good, CDI Program Coordinator at Northern Arizona Healthcare in Flagstaff, Arizona, and finally, Angie Curry, the Corporate CDMP Manager at Cox Health in Springfield, Missouri. So I'm really thrilled for those four individuals. I'm thrilled to have them on the board. Um, and I appreciate all of our members that voted in the election. So again, that'll do it for today's show. I want to thank again Dr. Dr. Fee, Dr. Teague for being on the show. And um, excellent job, guys. And we, for the our listeners, we'll see you back here again in two weeks for our next show. A new documentation frontier, expanding CDI to the outpatient observation setting. If you have any suggestions or comments, uh, please send me an email at bmurphy at actus.org. That'll do it. We'll see you in two weeks. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye, guys. All right. Bye-bye.